You're listening to Adopted Feels with Hannah and Ryan, a podcast about anything and everything adoption related. Hello. Hey. <laughs> so it's been. Oh, wow. I can really hear that thunder. Yeah, it's crazy. Damn. We have somewhat neglected our duties as podcasters, but we also haven't actually caught up for like a month, right? Because has we've both been, been... Has it been like a month? Yeah, Ben's episode was about a month ago. Um, so we've both been really busy with work and stuff, and it sounds like maybe you had some goodbyes. I'm not sure if more than per usual. Yeah, a handful. I had like three... And then I've also heard of other people um, like preparing to leave, thinking about leaving. I think it's kind of, it's partly natural after like a year and a half of COVID to reevaluate things. Mm. You know, you're not necessarily getting the regular career experience right now. Or you're not. It's it's not like the fun place it usually is. I um this is really random, but I read this like um you know when you were here back in February, March of last year Mm. and I had um made this Facebook event for your like a little welcome drinks for you, right? (laughs) And I suddenly it it popped up somewhere and I read it again and I was like, I don't recognize (laughs) the voice of that person writing that post. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Like that person sounds like really fun and like lighthearted. <laughs> and I would, yeah, I messaged my friend. I was like, oh my God, am I like, am I still fun? And he was like, no, haha. Anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's really hard to keep up that enthusiasm <laughs> and like, yeah, it's just, it's just been a really tiring experience, huh? Like, but also maybe you would sound as fun if I were to come back. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was just that I was there. Maybe that's the key difference. <laughs> um, but also yeah. just, you know, like the spontaneity of it. I was literally like, anyone's welcome. Drop by anytime, you know. <laughs> we'll start here and just like see where the night leads. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's so uh, pre-2020. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and other exciting news. My sister just had a baby, so I'm an Anki. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my um, term for non-binary uncle slash auntie. I hope it catches on. It's very cute. I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anki is much cuter than auntie, which just sounds close to a not so great word (laughs) so yeah Anki yeah and they're doing really well and the baby's at home and mom and dad are good and their sweet sweet dog is coping remarkably well with being unseated as the baby in the family Mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah that's that's been exciting maybe I can get your advice on this so I kind of wanted to send a photo of my sister's baby to my Korean mother, mm. who, by the way, just never really replies to me anyway. So maybe, maybe I should just send it. But um, I, I guess there's a part of me that worries that it might be kind of like 
I don't know, triggering or something to receive a photo of like a newborn. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm probably overthinking it. I guess just wanting to be kind of mindful of what that might be like or feel like. Does that kind of make sense? Or do you think I'm like way? Do you mean as like, as a a first mother, like as a relinquishing birth mother? Yeah, I guess so. And also maybe part of my hesitation is also like, you know, this is my sister who I love very dearly and this will be Mm -hmm. my nephew. Um, It's just like really clear, like, oh yeah, like we're in, we're in very different families or something, you know? I don't know. It just feels, there's just a part of me that I guess worries a little bit about how that might be received by her. But yeah, I'm probably overthinking it. I guess it's hard not to overthink it sometimes because um, cause she's not that responsive. Yeah. But I don't know, I just think it's like a really natural thing to want to share that um, with her because it's like it's a really significant life event and yeah, and it's like now you're an unky. So I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do I explain that in Korean? <laughs> in Papa Go. <laughs> yeah. I guess in Korean, you would be. Wait, wait. Oh my gosh, this is like such a test of my, my <laughs> Korean vocab. Um, you're the sibling of the mother. So y- you are like. In Korean, it would be like the uncle would be like. Samchon, where Samchon, and the aunt would be Emo. So either a, 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 a Sammo sam- <laughs> or, or Ichon. <laughs> That's cute. I think the Sammo is kind of a little bit smoother, do you think? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so. About a month ago, our friend Aaron Cho's Vice documentary came out, and so we wanted to do a little post-doco chat debrief. (laughs) (laughs) Has anything changed for us? (laughs) Well, before before, um, you answer that, I just want to say, like, especially for any of you that haven't watched the documentary, I feel like as a viewer Hannah I felt like you were really open and candid um and I think really quite brave um I don't know if brave is a word that you like but um (laughs) brave I think for putting yourself out there and for being really vulnerable and you know like the podcast is featured but I really feel like I just get to like sit back and enjoy hearing your story and like your perspective but I imagine that it's been like quite a weird experience for you Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I'm, yeah, brave is a nice word. Um, <laughs> um, it hasn't been that weird. Nothing really, um, not much has changed. We, um, <laughs> we got a few like extra like sweet, like ad- extra as in additional sweet emails and messages from adoptees, which is always nice. Mm. I wanted to say, you know how sometimes it's like, it's me that will read a message or an email first and then I'll tell you about it or like vice versa. Right. Yeah. It's usually you because just so everyone knows, Hannah's like the social media guru. Guru is not (laughs) the appropriate word. (laughs) Anyway, I was going to say, 
Yeah, it's often me that will get the message first or like maybe I'll read the email first um, and then I'll like mark it as unread again so you can like open it up. Do, the, un- un- <laughs> do the opening. <laughs> and you know how I, I, I feel like. I didn't know like- you do that. That's so funny. I didn't know you do that. <laughs> I honestly feel a bit like I imagine a parent might when they like leave presents on Christmas morning like as Santa for their kid (laughs) and then they say like oh you should go downstairs I think like (laughs) I think Santa's been I kind of feel like that except what you've done is you've opened the present and then you've rewrapped it (laughs) marked it as unread (laughs) and then told me to go down and look under the Christmas tree (laughs) (laughs) yes it's like or you know how you had um, – we had those advent calendars when we were kids where you just – they weren't like chocolates or anything. They're just like this little like Christmas picture inside each window. Did you go yeah, up the with health, it? the health-conscious version. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I've opened the window and then just like closed it up again. <laughs> and and then, the <laughs> but then I'm like literally so excited like waiting for you, like especially if it's a really nice message. I'm like, oh, we got a message today. Like you should go check it out. <laughs> I do love getting those messages. I mean, is okay, so is there a part of you that um, – is it like a little bit apprehensive though? You're like, Oh God, what, what, like, what's the message going to be? Or. Well, I wasn't apprehensive until recently. So this is overall a a good thing (laughs) because of the documentary. Um, It kind of broadened our audience a little bit. So we did get some random emails and messages that, yeah, they were generally uh, nice and positive and well-intentioned, but some of them were, like, slightly weird. I got one – we got one message on Instagram. It started mm-hmm. off saying how much, um, like, how much that person appreciated the documentary and, they, you know, they found it really interesting and, thank, you know, thanking us for sharing our stories. And then it said, by the way, I thought I saw a lump in Hannah's neck, which – reminded me of some famous case I think in the US um, where a news anchor had thyroid cancer Mm -hmm. and so this yeah this random person who is not a doctor was like oh I thought that I should just do the responsible thing and let you know about it and actually it completely freaked me out because because thyroid cancer is um is more common in East Asian women. And yeah, and then my birth mother as well had thyroid cancer in her wow. 50s. Yeah, so <laughs> it freaked me out also because I was, I think like, I don't know, living in a foreign country during COVID has also made me a hypochondriac. Mm. And I was like, if I do have some kind of, health issue like how am I going to kind of navigate this like who's going to care for me if I need surgery (laughs) my mind was like racing ahead and um so I ended up getting I got this like comprehensive like medical checkup through work which is this weird thing that they do in Korea it's kind of like medical tourism where you go to this big center and they have all these little rooms and you just like get everything checked out like 
like one after another. And there's these little doctors waiting in little rooms. Yeah. And you just get it all done in like a couple of hours Wow! and pay this like one fee for all of it. Is it really expensive? I think it's like a couple of hundred dollars. So I think it's actually a relatively good value. I think like maybe, I don't know, two to four hundred dollars. That's amazing. It's covered through like Korean companies often. It's just like a, a benefit. Um, yeah, so I opted to get like a thyroid ultrasound when I went there. Mm. Um, I was lying there and the doctor's like running the ultrasound over my neck. And honestly, I was like praying to some God. I was like, please. And then she just kind of like, she hesitated, like paused over this one spot. And I was like, oh my God, please, 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 please. And then she's like, oh, it's all normal. Oh, so it was just like kind of stressful. <laughs> um, Sounds so stressful. I don't know. I just think, well, I guess it's easy to say in hindsight, but like maybe it's, maybe you shouldn't be completely open to opinions from any random person on the internet, um, especially when they're not doctors, you know? You know? Mm. Uh, that yeah. sounds like a really scary experience. Any like concerns around health, I think at the moment, yeah, are just like magnified by also like COVID. And so any of those anxieties, I think would just be like so much worse right now. I think it's also interesting how like as adoptees and as transracial adoptees, so not only do we like not have access to uh, genetic medical history often, yeah, we might not also like be aware of like certain, uh, I don't know, I sound like I'm scaremongering, but certain diseases and conditions that are more prevalent in our birth countries. Yeah. So, like, there are certain cancers and things that they start screening for earlier in Korea because they're more common here. Like what? Like the thyroid thing. Um, I think mm-hmm. also, like, stomach cancer. Wow. Also, this is – okay, so this is completely random, but we might have to cut this, but <laughs> they told me they, – they checked for, like, uh, breast cancer, but they were like, oh, you have more dense breast tissue, so it's like – and apparently that's also more common in, like, East Asian women. So it's wow. like they uh, have to, like, it's harder to check for, like, lumps and things. Wow. But I don't know, just all these little things that I didn't know. I, did, I grew, yeah. didn't know until I came here. Yeah. Yeah, I think also, like, I remember going through a period years ago when I wanted, like, the doctors here to just, like, check for things because I was like I literally have no idea I think because I had a housemate who breast cancer unfortunately ran in her family and so Mm -hmm. she was going through bouts of treatment and like it was really horrible um Mm. thing that she went through and she was really young like she was like I think she'd had she'd started treatment like in her early 20s and so it's like like oh what if what if there are just all these things that we just don't know about and i remember the gp was like we we literally just can't test you for everything but it sounds like i could go to korea go into all those little rooms and do it what other kinds of messages did you get um i got um i got messages from a very very small handful of men from the distant past whom (laughs) (laughs) 
of whom I either um, like hooked up with or almost hooked up with or went on like one <laughs> awkward date with. And um, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny because it's like you have this naive fantasy about like, you know, when when you put something out into the world or like um, – or you know some something public, right? It could be, it could be an article, or it could be like whatever, right? Um, on a big scale, maybe like you wrote a book or something, um, and you have this fantasy about like your ex partners like suddenly realizing that you were the one that got away and like reaching out to you to like <laughs> <laughs> pour out their hearts like with regret or something like that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, in reality, that didn't happen. That, that doesn't happen, and. Um, <laughs> And nothing really changes. <laughs> That's the yeah the uh, takeaway from that. <laughs> Wait, so so like distant, distant past, and like are these people that you like actually keep in touch with on some level, or no, is it just like out no. of the blue? That's weird. Yes, very out of the blue. Um, I, do, you don't expect to hear from someone that you went on one very awkward coffee date with. You know what I mean? Like, why would you <laughs> hear from them again except to say, like, hey, I happened to see your YouTube video. <laughs> um, I mean, it was, yeah, like. And that's it? Like, that? that's, they just wanted you to know that they'd seen it or? I don't know. I think it's always this, like, weird gray area when someone that you kind of, more briefly dated like you know not like a significant ex but yeah some <laughs> someone less significant like when they contact you out of the blue it's kind of like i'm not really sure like what what's the intention but <laughs> and you're just nice. like yeah. thank you <laughs> <laughs> there was also like this one random guy on bumble who um I was like not in a very patient mood in that whole like period of my life or maybe this like whole 2021 really. And we, we, we kind of like stopped chatting because I just, yeah, I was, I don't know, like lost interest or whatever. Um, and then he was like, Oh, Hey, I think I just saw you in like a random, <laughs> uh, this random like vice documentary. Like, like I'm 90% sure it was you cause we'd never met. Oh, And yeah. And then I was like, I just couldn't be bothered. I couldn't be bothered engaging. So I just, I didn't reply. It's like I'm too famous now. <laughs> you lost your chance. <laughs> so has it rekindled any interest on your behalf, getting these messages? You're like, oh, I want that second coffee or no? No. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, pretty certain that that coffee person's not going to listen to the podcast. I don't think that's what this what that message was because that would make sense as well. So it would be like, oh, yeah, maybe we didn't give that enough of a chance. Like maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, no, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so it hasn't advanced anything on that front. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I sound so sad. Okay, let's moving on, moving on. So um, the other thing, I guess, that we wanted to talk about and I wanted to ask you about is um, the big no-no, which is um, reading the comment section, which oh, yeah. you've done. 
I couldn't do it. I don't even know how you did it. Dare I ask what you noticed or what kind of stood out for you? Yeah, at first I was like, you, you know, you should definitely stay out of the comments of any kind of um, like adoption related media, like, and you know, an article, anything, right? Because there's always like so much ignorance in the comments. But I don't know, it's like COVID and lockdown and of course I was going to go into the comments. Um, <laughs> so there were some, there were some really nice comments from like, other Korean adoptees and um, Korean Americans saying, yeah, th- that they really, they related to it and that they felt seen and in some cases like seen for the first time. Um, wow. And, you know, a nice comment saying that my hair looks nice and I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your outfits looked really cool, I, should, I have to say. I really liked them. Oh, thank you. They were fairly carefully chosen. <laughs> I mean, one person was like, oh, like move to first step, like move to Korea, dress like a grandma. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, <laughs> um, I'm like, it's cold Melbourne hipster fashion. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, that's well, that one was a bit unfair. Yeah. But anyway, look, it's it's like Vice Asia, the platform. It's not like – it's like just kind of like a, a broader, um, wilder audience, I think, and that's, and that's reflected in the comments. And I think YouTube is particularly – like as far as like media sites go, right? Like I think YouTube has a kind of reputation for people to just kind of like unleash like anonymously all sorts of <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I guess this isn't surprising, but there was uh, there were also a number of comments saying something about um, like oh how these adoptees were so lucky to be adopted and why would they why would they go back to the country that abandoned them and like oh what about their poor adoptive parents? So I guess like yeah, none of that is surprising, um, but. I was still kind of surprised because, like, um, we de- deliberately, like, didn't focus on um, mine or, or any of our relationships with our adoptive families or our birth families, right? Mm. And that was was deliberate because it was more supposed to be just about um, building our own lives and, like, kind of finding ourselves in Korea, right? Yeah, like a, like a different narrative to the search kind of narrative yeah yeah and so I was still surprised that people like some people seemed very concerned about my adoptive parents like okay just really briefly one person says (laughs) (laughs) I only wish that they would have included information about how they interact with their adoptive families now that they have relocated back to South Korea and it's like well um we use like whatsapp and facetime like like anyone else who who is you know, living overseas, right? It's not that hard. It's called technology. Um, and then a similar comment, like, I was curious if your family in Australia, how they fit in your life today. Are they sad and feel left out? Or maybe this is too sensitive a subject. Sorry if so. Yeah, or this is sad to watch these adoptees searching so hard for some kind of fulfillment in life. Not once did they did anyone mention their families back home in Australia and the US who cared for them since adopting them and 
very probably poured out their lives and financial resources to make them the healthy, well-educated individuals that they clearly are. <laughs> and then, okay, one more, just one more. I wouldn't adopt a foreign baby for this reason. What about the parents that actually raised them? Why are they so interested in meeting someone who abandoned them? So much so as to leave those who took care of them their entire life. Okay, one, the, the video is like not about birth family search or reunion. I think, um, I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like I wondered if like these comments were mainly coming from uh, like more fragile adoptive parents or whether they were just like random people who have like very strong opinions for some reason about international adoption or, whether, you know, whether they've just been like so like indoctrinated by the, the dominant narrative, like this, this kind of white saviour narrative around adoption. They just felt the need to comment. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I would guess that it's just a kind of mainstream view, like uninformed view really you know sometimes I think about this like like I love having this podcast I love being able to have all these like amazing conversations with you and like with other adoptees and people that work in this area or have are impacted in some way by adoption but I think it's also really easy to forget because we're no longer so much exposed to like the way that probably most people think about adoption and I guess mm. I do think that probably they those sorts of narratives are still super dominant and something that I like really wonder about and I don't know the answer is why adoption provokes such strong opinions in people that aren't really impacted by adoption. Like, mm. I don't know if it's something about this kind of saviorism, if it's something about like babies and children, it confuses me. Like, yeah, that people have these really like strong beliefs to the point of like commenting and posting <laughs> about it on a public forum. In preparing for this conversation, I wanted to tell my dad about the YouTube comments. Oh yeah. And just kind of like get his opinion on it. And I guess I, I guess that maybe the comments like did did kind of um, strike a nerve because I guess I was also looking for some kind of reassurance from him that my parents didn't take me moving here as um, some kind of rejection or, or or some kind of betrayal betrayal or yeah or that you know what they gave me wasn't good enough or wasn't enough or whatever right that actually um, he, he was reassuring I think we're not saying our adoptive families are perfect by any means oh, I'm not right I'll just talk for myself um, but although my dad is um, quite an exceptional person I think and this is also a side note but I think my dad is the kind of dad where I feel like my exes were a bit sad to say goodbye to my dad <laughs> I think he's that That's kind so of dad <laughs> yeah you know um there's that just there's that episode of like sex in the city where like Carrie um gets really attached to this this one boyfriend's mother uh -huh. and she likes the mother like more than the guy. Okay. <laughs> so, it reminds me of that because my dad is just like very, very unassuming, but like just a very solid, likable person. And he always gives like 
excellent advice. Very <laughs> practical, very like measured advice. I think I've only met him once, briefly. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sure he would impress you too if you got the chance to like, <laughs> get to know him better. I'd love to hang out with your dad. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Um, anyway, so I, I had this like very um, – started this like tentative conversation with him about <laughs> YouTube comments and he was like – he was like, oh, you know, well, they're just missing the point, aren't they? Like the video wasn't about us. It was about you. And he said, like, actually, you know, we were kind of hoping that you would just, that you would stay in Korea and, you know, meet someone and, like, have kids, blah, 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 because that's, you know, that's what they want. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were like, we would have been delighted if you had, like, you know, decided to just, like, stay in Korea forever. And, yeah, and then we would have just, like, been happy to visit you regularly. Um, and he also said, like, oh, he knows that in some ways I feel more comfortable here and that, yeah, that he just gets that. Mm. I mean, I think I'm very, I'm quite lucky with my dad, but um, I feel, I wish like I could like clap back at the comments in that way, but I'm, I'm not going to go into the comments. <laughs> You're like, but my dad says. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like feel like saying like, well, actually like, fuck you. This is like what my parents, this is how they feel. Mm actually yeah they're supportive of me being here no longer yeah I, I we've already talked about this like briefly but anyway for the record that's that's what I wanted to say <laughs> I mean yeah it's also a complete like they don't know you they don't know your family like why would they make assumptions like that but hmm. I also just think it's really wild like it's like why are adoptees held to like a different standard when so many people relocate for work or for relationships or for whatever. And that's just seen as part and parcel of like contemporary life, you know, like, and that's mm. not somehow a betrayal that, you know, like both my parents were not born and grew up in Australia. So like they left their respective families to create a life here. I, I feel like that, that kind of like overseas temporary or, per, or permanent relocation is just like kind of just standard thing that happens in families like why why is it that adoptees are supposed to be indebted for life you know yeah <laughs> it shits me and it's this whole like i feel like adoptees say this all the time but it's you know bears repeating that like adopted kids grow up and like they have a will of their own they have a life of their own to live they have like their own adult choices and life choices that like plenty of other non-adopted people make and people don't bat an eyelid so you know it's just like yeah it's frustrating. Yeah, it's kind of a lot to bear, isn't it? Like it's a uh, it's a lot of like heavy bullshit that like that we also have to like carry and, and navigate. <laughs> I think the one good thing is that I was ref reflecting, right? If I had been in my 20s reading all of these comments, like they would have really gotten to me. Like they would have mm. really thrown me. Um yeah, I would have I don't know, like maybe felt really insecure about my relationship, say with my uh, adoptive parents or I don't know, all kinds of things. Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to like <laughs> recognize that growth a little bit. Totally. That, like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Nice thing about age. Certain things don't get to you as much. 
I heard this term the other day. <laughs> um, geriatric millennial. <laughs> oh, is that Anyways. like a term? Like, you know, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to sound like a geriatric millennial, but I, like, don't know how, like, people, like, in their teens or, like, early 20s just put shit out now on the internet, you know, and, and lose control over, like, how long it stays up there and, like, whatever. Like, I think, like, I don't even know if I would have handled what you've just been through at my age let alone like when I was a lot younger well I, don't, I haven't been through much really like <laughs> you, know, I, you know nothing much changed like but just like the vulnerability of like having that out there but I feel like in recent years you've also like been increasingly vulnerable with with writing and like podcast content um you know even even the panel with also known as early this year totally but like wh- I guess what I'm saying is like I would could never like I'm shocked that I actually even do a podcast with you <laughs> <laughs> this is your not, idea <laughs> not you like personally but you know what I mean like like I never thought I'd be the kind of person that would want to literally be in the ears of willing, <laughs> poor souls, willing listeners to just like listen to me rabbit on. Like, I just never, like, I've always seen myself as like a painfully shy introvert, you know? And so, um, and now I can see that 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 isn't true, you know? But um, it's taken me like a long time to get to this point of like even like tentative confidence, you know? Like, I just can't imagine like young younger people having the the confidence and the willingness to just put themselves out there like at that age like I just Mm. find that like incredible um I wanted to wrap up this whole um documentary conversation with something that Nicole Chung said um so she's a writer and um author of a memoir and um I attended some of the Khan conference events, the, um, what are they called? The Korean American Adoptive Family Network or something. Yeah, so I attended some of their events and she was part of a panel. And at the end of the panel, she she reminded us to, like, keep in mind, like, who are you making this content for anyway? And that you only need, like, your work won't be for everyone and that's fine. And you kind of, you only need to think of what one one ideal reader, you know, and then the next reader and the next. And, like, remember who your audience is and just kind of create for them. And so I thought it was just, like, yeah, a good reminder because um, obviously like you, on YouTube you get, like, a whole range of, like, random responses. But I know Aaron, the filmmaker, he made this, I think, for people like us, like overseas Koreans and Korean adoptees and um, like kind of people with a more like tentative Korean identity and people, yeah, and people like us returning to Korea. So, so I think I think when um, when he would read through the comments, he would just kind of like focus on on those voices and like just yeah, ignore the others. Yeah, I think I think that's a healthy way to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to approach it. I hope he is happy with with the reception, though, and, like, 
how it's turned out because I do, you know, I really got the sense that he cared deeply about doing it justice. And so, yeah, like I didn't even really, I've just been thinking about like what it's like for you, which is obviously the most important thing because you're the subject of the film, but also like, (laughs) yeah, like what it might be for him if he feels like what he was trying to convey is getting lost in all these like particular narratives around adoption or whatever. And um, cause I know that was one of the reasons why he wanted to feature the podcast in the documentary was to kind of also in a really sweet way, I think like say that something about what we do also speaks to his experience as, um, as a non-adopted um, mm. overseas Korean. I hope he still feels good about what he's done, <laughs> what he made. Yeah. No, I think he does. Um, apparently, like our video competition on on Vice Asia was this like yeah video about like the Korean Shintonji cult church, <laughs> which is like kind of a little bit hard to compete with in terms yeah, of I, I, <laughs> numbers of views, like because yeah. But anyway, uh, that's tough competition. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's a very, yeah, very different kind of video. But um, <laughs> otherwise, I think he's very pleased. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast. We're on Twitter at Adopted Feels. If you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The Seoul government was talking about um, easing the restrictions to allow uh, six and then later eight people to meet up um, and they were going to, like, extend the curfew from 10 p.m. to midnight. And so it was really exciting for, because, <laughs> because, like, in my mind, you know, six people and definitely eight people is enough for Norebang. Right, but four people is a bit, it's a little bit like sad, okay. yeah. <laughs> but um, but then like it was all just completely premature because yeah, a couple of days after that, the numbers just started spiking, and now we're in level four restrictions for the first time. There's definitely also, no like hot girl summer. It's like it's like maybe it will be like <laughs> a hot girl autumn or something if we're lucky. <sighs> I also read that um, you can't listen to fast music in the gym. I heard that. I was like, oh, well, I did. another friend from Australia like sent me that headline. I was like, oh my god, like that's just that's so desperate. It's like what instead of closing gyms, they're gonna. I just think I thought it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, so my gym is still open. The, they just kind of, they closed the, like, showers and change rooms, but you can still mm. go and, yeah, just wearing a mask, which is kind of amazing maybe. But I want to know, like, <laughs> why 120 beats per minute and, like, what a 120 BPM song actually sounds like. like <laughs> I need to Google that. <laughs> it's like they don't want you to sweat too much. That's an exert yeah. yourself. That's the rationale. <laughs> <laughs> I sweat like all the time easily anyway. So. It's just so specific. 